maybe that's exactly what you need in order to serve Him. Maybe He wants to use everything that you're struggling with so that He alone might receive the glory. This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. For the word or the preaching of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the discernment of the discerning I will thwart, bring to nothing. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, that world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the foolishness of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God, so that no flesh might glory. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, today, Resurrection Sunday, for the first time in a long time, has fallen on the first day of April. This is commonly known as April Fool's Day. And it's ironic for a number of reasons. Yes, this day is real. Yes, it is truly happening. But really, if you believe in the Christian faith at all, you will be considered a fool for the sake of Christ. Jim Elliott knew what that was like. Going to the tribes of the unreached people groups outside Ecuador, he gave his life along with four others so that people who had never heard would reach the gospel. People who to this day are still there. People who we have never met. Tribes that we know exist, but we can't access them remotely who have not heard the gospel of Christ. We know more about outer space than we do some of these tribes. And Jim Elliott gave his life so that others might hear. Died at 28 years old. New York Times ran with a headline the following week, Missionary Killed in Ecuador. And the article wasn't all that kind to those who believe in Christ. Have you ever wondered, I used to to think about this sometimes, and people ask me, you know, do you, what do you think about this? I tell them I try not to, it gets me in trouble. But every once in a while, I have an opportunity to think about something. And I used to think, you know, when you watch the movies that come out of Hollywood compared to Christian movies, Maybe some of you have seen some of the recent ones. They've gotten better as far as story and theatrical effects and all that. 
But really, compared to a $200 million budget, we don't have the, the resources to compete against that, humanly speaking. I, I used to think, you know, what if we got a very rich figure like a Bill Gates and won him to Christ and used his money and his influence to win people to God, and then, by God's grace, we made him a member of Hallsville Baptist Church? He, he wouldn't even have to come. He'd just send in his tithe. Be great. Or what if we had a professional athlete or some type of celebrity? It's like, man, if they got saved, oh man, the world would know. And I used to wonder, why isn't that the case? Now, sometimes there are those who stand up for Christ, who have a, a public platform to do so, but more often, God works in the ordinary. He works in the unremarkable. He works in insignificant ways. And I used to wonder why that was until one day, God put this passage in front of me, and the reason that God works the way he works and the reason that he works in who he works and how he works is that he alone would receive the glory so that no flesh might glory in his presence. And you have to understand that if you are going to live a life for Christ, and if I am going to live a life for Christ, we have to be willing to be considered fools. The Bible tells us that there are these two opposing wisdoms in juxtaposition against one another. One is the wisdom of the world, and there is value in that, knowing how to move in the world, knowing how to operate in the world. There is a, a wisdom and a value from life experiences, but on the other end of that perspective, we have the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God often isn't obvious. The wisdom of God often is much more subtle than that, so much so that God's wisdom looks like foolishness to the world. And so when we tell people that we believe in a literal creation, we tell them that God created human beings from conception all the way to the grave in his image and in his likeness, in many cases we are perceived to be fools, ignorant, uneducated. And the natural tendency and the natural response for us is that is one, to come up with the reason of why we believe, which is very important, or to become defensive to where we say, you know, you treat us that way, we're going to treat you that way. We're going to fight for our rights, we're going to fight for our freedoms just as you fight against us. And there's a point at which that's good. But God tells us the way in which we often attract the world is when we are totally and diametrically the opposite of it. That instead of responding in defensiveness when people come at you for your faith, and instead of getting offended when people call you fools, you are reminded that but for the grace of God, here you are. We're reminded that the Savior of this universe was stripped naked and beaten and considered a fool by everyone who looked upon him. That you and I, if we're serious about our faith, must be willing to be considered fools for the sake of Christ. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. That God often uses what doesn't make sense. That he highlights what doesn't seem obvious. That he works in mysterious ways, often in the insignificant and the unremarkable. And what we have to reckon with, that if we are truly going to live our lives for Christ, then most of our lives will be lived in obscurity. Much of our lives will consist of heartbreak and despair, and persecution, or what the Apostle Paul later describes as nakedness or famine or peril or sword. 
But then he says, if we will determine to live that way, if we will determine to live the opposite of what the culture tells us to do, then it will be worth it all in Christ. So many of us here today gather together for family and friends, so thankful that we're here on Sunday. But what are you going to do on Monday? What are you going to do the rest of the week when the world tells you that you can come to church when it's convenient? That you can serve God as long as it fits into your schedule? That you can do what you do and maybe throw God in if you have anything left? Because the Bible says the only way to really stand before him is to give him everything you've got. To be all in for Christ. To be considered a fool by the world's sake. This resurrection power that we celebrate and we talk about and we glory in. Man, we want that resurrection power. We want Jesus to stick it to the devil and the demons and all of our enemies if we can throw that in. But more often than not, what we identify with is not the power of his resurrection, but with the fellowship of his sufferings. Because it is in weakness that God makes us strong. Has he not told us that it is not by might, it is not by power, it is by my spirit, saith the Lord. People ask me sometimes, you know, your position on, on marriage or on life is kind of strange. And I tell them, look, I'm a lot more strange than that. I believe that whatever your marriage is, homosexual, heterosexual, whatever, you have to do marriage God's way. That any type of sexual relations outside of marriage are outside of the parameters of the blessing of God, His blessing for your life, that God supports all of life, from conception all the way to the grave. We can't be on one end or the other. We have to do it all. N.T. Wright said it this way, we are not to be surprised if living as Christians brings us to the place where we find we are at the end of our own resources and that we are called to rely on the God who raises the dead. And this of all things, God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God has chosen for someone to get up and talk to you about what to do with your life for a half an hour every week in a culture that rebels against authority. But if it's based on the word of God, then it comes directly from God. It is his word. So often what we want to do is we want to work out of our strengths. We want to work out of our skill sets. Most of us know what we're good at. We know what we can do well. And we want to kind of do our best to cover up whatever our, our weakness is and not let people see that. But God often works in a completely different way. Paul knew what this was about. He had many gifts of God, but he had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. And he asked the Lord over and over again, remove this from me. You have that prayer that God doesn't answer the way you like. That's what Paul had. And then one day, God finally said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity in my weakness, that the power of God may rest upon me for when I'm weak, then when I'm strong. You may think that God will use your strengths for his glory, but it may just be that God will use the greatest blessing of your life in your weakness and the things in which you have the most trouble. Because when you hand that weakness and that pain and that suffering, that temptation over to him, Oh, dear friends, I promise you, he will use it for good. He will use it for his glory. That may be the greatest contribution you'll ever make in this world is admitting your weakness and letting God use you in spite of yourself. Listen, if you're here this morning and you've got pride and you've 
built yourself up and you think you've got it all together in this world, I pray in God's grace that he would humble you and that he would bring you to your knees because that's the best possible place you can ever be. If you're here today and you're just wondering, you know, I'm sort of committed for God, I I try to be in it, but there's always things that distract, there are always people that get me sidetracked, and I I just keep struggling with it to serve God. Man, maybe that's exactly what you need in order to serve Him. Maybe He wants to use everything that you're struggling with so that He alone might receive the glory. And this is the reality of the resurrection, that no flesh should glory in his presence. We don't help Jesus get out of that grave. God raises him up from the dead so that he alone would receive the blessing, so that he alone would receive the honor, so that he alone would receive the praise. And God doesn't need us to help him out. He rather invites us to share as we build his kingdom together for his glory. And there's a world out there that needs some kingdom building. So often we think in terms of worldly wisdom. What will I do for the next five years of my life, 10 years of my life, 30 years of my life? When we need to be thinking, what will we be doing in 10,000 years? What will we be doing a million years from now? Because if Jesus is in your heart and in your life, you will be alive on that day. And your whole purpose will be to bring him glory and bring him honor. But in order to follow the risen Christ, you must be willing to be perceived as a fool by the world. A fool for investing your time and money in God's church. A fool for turning aside promotions and recognitions and awards when it interferes with your relationship with God. A fool for taking your kids out of the ball games on Sunday and out of the recitals during the week and saying we're going to make it a priority to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because even if I give them all these accomplishments on this earth and I don't teach them God's word, I have failed. Even if I'm a success in the world's eyes. And I'm reminded of what Jim Elliott writes at the end of his journal, just before his death, when he says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's one life, will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ last. Bow your heads with me. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.